0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel Galveston. Bread for the broken. But
1: may the one, the only one who can rescue you, rescue you. It's amazing what a what an opportunity, what a moment for this king, who is who is like the now like ruler, you know, of uh, a majority of the the known world at that time. To understand like I can't save you but God can and what a great place for some of us to come to concerning
0: loved ones and friends and family members that we have I can't save you but God can are you trying to take the place of God as being a savior for someone as you listen to today's message from Pastor James he understands what it's like to have a loved one that you desire so desperately to come to know the Lord However, the fact of the matter is, you can lead others to Christ, but you can't save them. Pastor James encourages you to surrender your loved ones to the Lord. Know that He alone works on their hearts. And the only person who can save someone eternally is Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Hopeless, hopeless, bread for the broken,
1: broken. Daniel chapter 6. And what a journey it's been so far. We've kind of been hanging out with Daniel. A little bit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar. But the scene kind of shifts. And we saw that in Daniel chapter 5, with Babylon really being overthrown, and that was a prophecy being fulfilled according to Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he had, had and the interpretation from Daniel. Now in Daniel chapter 6, we see you have a new ruler, so to speak, concerning Babylon, and his name will be Darius. And chapter 6 is very common concerning, you know, just if you've grown up in church at all, you know Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, it's a familiar story, I think, for most of us. So we're just going to take our time walking through this chapter and see what the Lord has for us here. And uh, I think a few just notes up front is that, you know, Daniel proved himself to be just a gifted individual. Administratively, um, he just he had skills that were second to none, and he used those for God's glory and he was able to excel in using those gifts. And also, man, he was devoted to God, and he wasn't going to let anything get in the way of that. And even if it cost him, he wasn't going to let anything get in the way and get in between him and His relationship with God. And the other last little thing that that we'll see is he spent the night in a lion's den. And and oftentimes I want to be rescued immediately from the lion's den or not even have to go into the lion's den at all. But sometimes the Lord lets us spend the night in the lion's den. Now he keeps the mouths of the lions closed as he did for Daniel. And there are times I I think that, man, we, we sometimes spend a uh, a dark night, so to speak in in the lion 's den, but the Lord is with us, and I think that that 's key here is that Daniel, faithful man of God, um, you know committed to a, a life of prayer and he he followed the Lord and man, just this is well into his life and The Lord lets him have a night in the lion's den, so to speak, and could have easily rescued him out of it and all that good stuff. It's kind of like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the fire, but he was in the fire with them. Um, And sometimes we get it in our heads that uh, we don't want to go into the fire at all, or we don't want to go into the lion's den at all. However, the most important thing for us to know is even if we spend a night in the lion's den, man, he is with us. And he knows how to close the the mouths of the lions. And we have an enemy, Satan, as Peter would let us know in a letter that he wrote, that we have our enemy, our adversary is like a lion uh, roaming around seeking whom he may devour. But God is with us and God knows how to shut the mouth of that lion. And just like he was with Daniel, I believe that he is with us and will be with us even through our darkest days, even through our darkest days. So let's look at Daniel chapter 6. I'm in the New Living Translation. And just right off the bat, uh, there's I'm not going to be able to get too much into this, but Darius, there's about five different ideas on who exactly Darius the Mede was. Um, and, and we can venture into that at a later date, um, historically and all that good stuff. But for the, for the sake of what this chapter is about, we're, we're going to we're going to just keep our eyes fixed on Daniel himself and uh, and how the Lord uh, saves him and rescues him. Also, a little bit with Darius and his his sleepless night. But let's look verse one, chapter six. It says Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom, that's Babylon, into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. So here's Darius the Mede, uh, part of the Medes and the Persians, who it was prophesied that they would overthrow Babylon. And that happened. We saw that in Daniel chapter five. And so now Darius the Mede has kind of been set up as the ruler there in Babylon, possibly on behalf of someone else from Persia. But there he, he is established as the ruler and he's going to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, which we know that that's key in the book of Esther. Okay. And so he appoints a high officer to rule over each province. So 120 provinces, 120 rulers or governors, you could say. The king also chose Daniel and two others, so three total, as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So just a fascinating and brilliant strategic plan on Darius's part he's going to divide the the kingdom into 120 provinces established governors is what i'm going to call them uh, over each of those provinces but then he's going to have three of his closest individuals to him daniel being one of those guys to make sure that the king's interests are uh, are being attained to you know and nobody's going off and doing kind of their own thing so daniel's one of the three uh it's just fascinating little administrative kind of structure there. If you're into flow charts and all that good stuff, this is like your sweet spot. So they're going to protect the king's interest. Verse 3, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all other administrators and high officers, as he has been doing all throughout this book. Because Daniel's great ability, the king made plans, made plans to place him over the entire empire. So Darius's plan in his observation of Daniel and his wisdom and the fact that the spirit of God was with Daniel as Nebuchadnezzar had seen as well, he's, he, his idea is, man, let's just let Daniel run this whole thing. And so it's great for Daniel. It's also going to cause conflict with others, right? Jealousy and uh, covetousness and all that stuff begin to ex- kind of be drawn to the surface of hearts that are represented within this story. Verse four then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But however, they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was a, he was a blameless man. He wasn't a perfect man, he wasn't sinless, but in his dealings in his work life and all that good stuff, he was he was upright. he was blameless. they couldn't find anything. And so this is the other administrators. These are the other two guys appointed with Daniel as the three administrators. Plus, uh, it doesn't tell us how many, um, but there's a handful of high officers. So all these guys begin to come together. The enemy comes together uh, really to attack their now common enemy, which would be Daniel. Okay, So they're, they're trying to figure out ways to get him so that they could... Uh, you know, so they can get them fired, basically, because they're jealous of this Hebrew man who is uh, really just outshining all of them. It says, uh, they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Those are great uh, characteristics of what we should be demonstrating within the workplace. Faithful employees, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. That should be Things that are said of you and I, if you're a Christian and either you're a Christian boss or you're a Christian employee, um, these are things that should be maybe not said about you, but noticed about you in your daily work life, okay? Faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy, and not just within the work environment as this, I mean, applies directly to this passage here, but also within our, our private life and our home life, Okay faithful, responsible, always trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion, all right? So they're like, we can't find anything in his work life, so let's attack him. Let's find something concerning his religious life that we can use against him. So the administrators and high officers went to the king, high officers went to the king, and said, long live King Darius. We these two administrators, plus these handful of high officers, we are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors. Now, I think when they say we advisors uh, or we administrators, I believe, even though he is probably absent from this meeting, they are, are trying to get the king to understand or to believe that Daniel is is a part of this as well. We, the we administrators. I believe they're saying we three administrators, okay? So a little bit of uh, manipulation and trickery going on here. That the king should make a law that will that will be strictly enforced, give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, and this is common back then. They would play to the, uh, usually the pride um, of the ruler, that they alone are worthy of Devotion and worship, so they're going to use this. Use this card. Um, it says they: if anybody prays to any other deity other than you, they will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, Your Majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed—an official law to the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Didn't even question it. Didn't even. We don't have any insight to where he, whether he, what he thought about it or. Give me, you know, give me a day to overlook this thing. No thought at all. They appealed to the thing that mattered the most to him, and that's how he's viewed by other people and perceived and worshipped and all that good stuff, and he just signs it right there. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So Daniel hears about the law, civil law now, and this is a law you cannot pray to God. And the first thing he does is he goes home and he prays to God. Okay, because you cannot outlaw praying to God, right? Like your devotion to God and your 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 worship to God uh, trumps civil law. And so if if the government were to come in and say you can no longer pray to God, you have every right to Disobey that law because God's law trumps man's law, right? You can't, you can't gather together. Well, you can't, you can't tell me that I can't gather with uh, a local assembly of people. Like we can't do church, right? And I know we went through that with the uh, COVID and all that good stuff. And there was, and there were some health reasons and all that good stuff. We had to be smart and, and, and everything like that. But I do know that there were places that were outlawing, so to speak gathering together. Now, you when man does that, man is overstepping his boundaries. And we see that in the book of Acts where the, uh, the rulers were making laws concerning the disciples and the followers of Jesus that you cannot preach or teach about Jesus. And their response to these rulers who are making laws, these kind of civil laws, so to speak, we must obey God and not man okay because it's it's within God's word that we have certain things that are expected of us and required of us that we have to hold to and praying to the Lord is is one thing that every Christian should do and if the government were to issue a law today saying it is you cannot pray to God at all we have the well we have the right and it's well within our rights as Christians to well to disobey that law specifically and obey um God's law and that we, we can pray and we should pray. Now this don't go crazy with me on this and turn everything into some sort of religious rite and all that good stuff. Like there's there these are these are black and white issues here. And and so this is they would specifically address praying to God, which would go completely against everything that um, Daniel held near and dear to his heart in his relationship with God. So I know some people will want to take this and, and go crazy with it and all that good stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just, when the lines get drawn in the sand concerning you can't pray or you can't worship or you can't gather or you can't go to church, um, there are times where Christians, you, you just, you have to stand up. You have to stand up, okay? So thankfully, I mean, we still live in a nation, in a country that um, these are not realities for us. We are not being threatened to be thrown into lion's den for praying to God or for gathering to worship God, okay? So let's we can enjoy these uh, present freedoms that we have, but just know, I mean, I, I love Daniel's example here. Here he is, he's, he's an aged man, and he's like, um, oh, there's a new law, I can't pray to God, I think I'm gonna go pray to God. And he knew what it was gonna cost him, and he was fine with that. So he goes, to, just like he always done, he prays to the Lord. The officials, verse 11, went together, Uh, to Daniel's house because they already knew he was going to break this law. They knew this was going to be the thing, that the trap, so to speak. And they found him praying and asking for God's help. Now, that's amazing. They find him praying, but not only do they find him praying, but they hear what he's praying about. And in his prayer, he is asking God for help. So, again, if there is persecution within our nation or, you know, governments come against the church and all that good stuff, uh, I, I would hope that my prayer is is that just like kind of Daniel's, where we're just just asking God, man, Lord, we just need your help. We need your help, and God's going to answer this prayer. By the way, so verse twelve, they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign the law that for the next thirty days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your Majesty, will be thrown into the lions' den or the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands, and it is uh, it is an official law of the Medes and Persians, and cannot be revoked. So it's been written, and it's been signed, and there is no going back. And we again we see that uh, played out within the Book of Esther as well. Then they told the king that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah. Notice how they describe him not one of the uh, it, not one of the administrators, you know, um, not one of the leaders but one of those captives from Judah. He's ignoring you in your law. He still prays to, this, to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. So he knew, and he's like, man, they got me. They got me. He loved Daniel. He appreciated Daniel. And he didn't want this outcome for Daniel. So he began to think of a way as to save or rescue Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. I mean, this is his admiration towards Daniel. This is the impact that Daniel, as a good employee, had on his boss. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law law that the king signs can be changed. They're like, you know there's no way around this. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested after spending the whole day trying to figure out a way, trying to find some sort of loophole, right? He couldn't find anything. So he gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, so faithfully, rescue you. Daniel, I couldn't rescue you, but, maybe, but may the one, the only one who can rescue you, rescue you. It's amazing. What, a, what an opportunity, what a moment for this king who is, who is like the now like ruler you know, of uh, a majority of the, the known world at that time to understand, like, I can't save you, but God can. And what a great place for some of us to come to concerning loved ones and friends and family members that we have. I can't save you, but God can. It says a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and could not sleep or couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me. So I've been found innocent in his sight and I have wronged, I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel, the other two administrators, and he had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and their children, so their whole families. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. So that just lets us know that the lions were hungry. Um, it's not that they weren't hungry that whole night, but God kept their mouths closed because um, he has power over nature as well. And... They got their breakfast. Breakfast of champions right here. The king, then King Darius sent his, this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world, technically throughout the 120 provinces that he was now ruling or overseeing. Peace and prosperity you, to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before, before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in heaven, in the heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So this is from King Darius, a pagan uh, man, a Gentile man, who is proclaiming because of the the testimony and the example of a faithful man, Daniel, um, proclaiming out to the entire known world at that time, how amazing God is. And uh, that's because Daniel spent the night in the lion's den for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And God had rescued him. And Darius uh, spent an entire day and also an entire night fasting, trying to find a way to rescue Daniel himself. But understood that there was no way he could, and he had to trust that Daniel's God could rescue him, and that's exactly what he proclaims. He says that he's the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. This is God's kingdom, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He saw God do that with Daniel. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And so that kind of concludes, really, it, that's the halfway point to the book of Daniel. The first six chapters there are kind of in on Daniel and his personal life within the kingdoms, whether it's with Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar, and, and then with, uh, with Darius here. And then the last half of the book, chapter 7, 7 through 12, is going to deal with Visions and dreams and, and a lot of prophetic type stuff. Now, there's still prophecy in the first six chapters, but there's definitely a shift that, that happens going into chapter seven. And it, it deals more so with the, um, with events that were going to be happening. And some of that is connected back to, uh, Daniel chapter two and, and a little bit of Daniel chapter three. Um, but we're going to see just end time stuff kind of play out and, Hopefully we'll be encouraged by that, and and also hopefully we're encouraged by Daniel chapter six. And, and my prayer for all of us is that, uh, as Christians, is that the world notices something different about us, just like Darius had noticed something different about Daniel. Uh, I would also pray that as as followers of Christ, that whether in the workplace or wherever it may be, that is that what's noticed about us is that we're faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy as as those things were attributed to Daniel. And that too, that even when we stand up for what is right, even if the world is saying we can't do this anymore, or they're making laws against this or that, is that we hold fast to the Lord, stay committed to Him. And even if that means spending A night in the lion's den, then that's okay because the Lord can be with us in the lion's den and he knows how to keep the mouths of the lions closed. And so uh, I know we don't want to go into the lion's den at times, but man, if if we end up in the lion's den, it's going to be okay because God is with us.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through the book of Daniel, helping us understand all of the fascinating things in this book. Imagine a king being debased to eating grass like a cow and looking like a complete barbarian. It sounds like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. There were many lessons for King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, and God used Daniel to speak truth to this king of Babylon. Don't you see that no matter what location you're placed in, God can use it for good, for people to turn their hearts towards Him. We hope that your heart is also turned towards God today. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Bread for the Broken. If there's any way that this ministry has impacted you, would you mind sharing that with us? You can get in touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. We'd be so happy to meet you in person too. So if you're in the Galveston area, join us this Sunday or Wednesday for worship and Bible study here at Calvary Galveston. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website, breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue reading on your own in the book of Daniel, as you'll discover so many things that God wants to teach you from Daniel's example. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off and keep covering passages in this Old Testament book right here on Bread for the Broken.